you're not allowed to leave till I'm done. Let me just put it that way. Let me just put it that way. You're not, not allowed to leave till I'm done. Um, and if you're watching online, either you watch the whole thing or, or switch channels, because um, this, this is just a, you know, it's one of the objects that, um, that, that a lot of people just shy away from. And one of the commitments that we've made since we started uh, teaching and, and started the church 12 years ago was that we were just going to speak truth regardless of how it made people feel because it's not, it's not about tickling you so that you come back next week. It's about actually giving you the word of God in love that you would receive it. You, you still get to decide whether you receive it or not. You still get to decide, I liked it, I don't like it, um, I will you know, I will let it be planted in my heart or not. You, you still get to decide what you do with the word of God. But uh, some of the things that make us grow the most is the, the uncomfortable ones, right? The, the ones, because when everything is, is comfortable, when everything is comfortable, a different microphone. When everything is comfortable, um, we don't grow. You don't grow in comfort. We actually grow in discomfort. You know, like this pandemic has done the toothpaste effect on so many people, right? Like you were all nice and full and then I squeezed you and you found out there was stuff inside you didn't know was inside. That's when, that's when you realize that some high values were just high values. They weren't really core values. There were things you agreed with that sounded good, but they, they, didn't, they weren't really governing your responses and your reactions to life, you know. And when, when those kinds of things happen, you know, stuff comes out. And um, Jesus puts it in a different way. He says, whatever comes in through the mouth will go out too, you know. When you go to the bathroom, you know. And, and it says it in the Bible, you know, kind of like that. But the thing is, you know, we become aware, and becoming aware is a really good thing, right? And so one of the things we've, been, we, we've talked about, and we talk about a lot here at church, is that God cannot be a part of your life. Because if God is part of your life, you start compartmentalizing, right? And creating divisions inside of you. And you were not created to do that. Because you start creating conflicts inside of you. So instead of God being part of your life, God's supposed to be the center of your life. You're not supposed to just see him on Sundays. You're supposed to walk with him every day. He created us for relationship, not for religion. Religion gives you a set of rules and says, I'll see you on the other side someday. Relationship is like, hey, what are we going to do today? You know, what do you want to show me today? What do you want to teach me today? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? Right? How are we going to walk this through? That's relationship with him. Right? That's why he came and then he told the disciples, it's important that I leave so that I, the Holy Spirit would come and dwell inside of you, right? I will never leave you nor forsake you. He couldn't do that being a, the person, the human, right, form of Jesus. He had to become spirit so that he could dwell inside of all of us. And therefore, we're called to a relationship with him that, in which we walk every day. And God cannot just be a part of our lives. That's why when God is just a part of your life, you're not really experiencing the fullness of everything that he has for us. You're not, you're not walking in the abundant life and in the promises of God that are yes and amen for you. You are only seeing part of it. You're seeing what others are experiencing, even if you're going to the same church. Because why? Because it's not about the church you go to or the rules that you follow. It's about your personal walk with Jesus. 
in your personal relationship with the Father. So therefore, God cannot be a part of your life. He must be the center of your life. Everything in your life should revolve about around Him. I know, right? How can I? What? Okay, this is a room full of fanatics. Now I know. <laughs> now he's, he's, a, he's a God who is a father who, who wants to have a relationship with his children, right? In a good, healthy father-son relationship, you know, you talk to him all the time. He's your number one confidant. He's the one that you ask about everything because he's, he's walked through things that you're walking through now. So God can't just be a part of your life. And if you're there and you're planning on staying there, it's okay, right? Like that's, that's up to you. You get to choose that. Uh, and we don't judge anybody whatsoever, but I want, I want you to know God's supposed to be at the center of your life, which means that every aspect of your life is supposed to revolve around him. God, what does that look like? Well, God, what do you say about this? What do you say about that? What is your promise about this, right? So when we taught about uh, the body as a temple of the Holy Spirit, why, why, do we, why do we teach about health in a church? Because you can't say, that's my spiritual life, this is my health life, and my health habits are completely separated from my spiritual life. Well, not really. The Bible actually talks about your body being a temple of the Holy Spirit, and if you really believe that, then you would treat yourself in a different way. Are you, are you following me? Right? You can't separate and say, well, that's my financial life, and this is my spiritual life. No, God has a lot to say about finances, Right? Actually, it's a key to where your heart goes. <laughs> Listen, at any moment, I've learned this from Steve and, and, and Levi, any moment you can take a laugh break and it's okay. <laughs> they they kind of release the tension, the buildup, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, you, you can't separate these things. You can't separate, well, you know, that's, that's that, you know. That's how I see that, and that's, well, that's how I parent. Well, that's marriage, marriage. That's not God, that's marriage. Like, no, God clearly talks about everything in life um, in his word, right? And so we can't separate, and the moment we start making these separations, we open ourselves up to conflict inside of us, which is hypocrisy, right? So, today we're going to talk about politics. <laughs> I figured I'd just tell you right away. Lock the doors. We're not going to talk about politics like you, like you think we, you know, we would or not. But I want to tell you that it's also something you can't just separate and be like, well, that's... That's my political view. That's just, that has nothing to do with God. Uh, wrong. <laughs> has a lot to do, right? Because here's what happens, and here's what I want to save you from. The moment you start making those divisions, you create internal conflict. And the internal conflict will come bite you. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And you are a house. You are a temple. And if you're divided inside... You can't stand. You can't stand strongly. There's some kind of lie or deception, right? And we could do that all day long. I mean, how many times did any of you shut God out, shut God outside of an area of your life that you just didn't want him to touch? 
right? Closets, rooms, basements. Here, Jesus, here's the kitchen. Make anything you want to eat. I like, I like how you cook. Here's the living room. You can hang out there, but just don't open that door. Don't go in the basement. No, no on the attic. <laughs> we can't. It, it, it gives you a sense of uh, fakeness, right? It's just a face. And so today I want, I want to talk about how, how, how to view politics and government from a biblical perspective, right? We are days, I don't know how many days from, from election, right? And did you know there's anywhere from 5 to 10 million evangelicals that are not even registered to vote? Who, listen, separation of church and state was not to keep the church from talking about these issues. Like the world needs the church to talk about health, government, education, finance, business. Like the world needs the church in there. The ecclesia is supposed to go into the world, right? And shine the light of Jesus and show him how God's way is different than the world's way. That's what it's supposed to be like. So, so I, I want you to know separation of church and state was not to keep the church from talking about government issues or, or social issues. It was to keep the government from establishing like a one religion or getting actually into the church and controlling the church. So I want you, first of all, to know that what we're doing today is, is perfectly legal and fine, right? <laughs> so we can't separate this stuff, you know? And, and today, so all, all I want today is that you would open up your mind and just ask yourself some questions. Ask yourself some questions, and then based on that, you know, see what God has you do. I'm not going to tell you to do anything, actually. I'm not going to tell you to vote for someone or, or another person. I'm not going to tell you any of that because I consider that I'm speaking to highly intelligent people that have the Spirit of God inside of them, right? And that sometimes we just haven't asked ourselves the questions, and we've just kind of gone along with what culture, family, and all these other things have just spoken to us and taught us, but we've never actually thought for ourselves or research for ourselves, like things that are really important. And so many of you know this, but God gave us dominion, right? In Genesis chapter one, God gave um, Adam dominion over, over the earth and everything, right? Then Adam gave that up when he obeyed the serpent. He gave up his authority. But then Jesus came back, died on the cross, resurrected, and he gave us back our authority, right? He gave us back authority to be kings and priests, to take dominion over the earth, right? To exercise our authority. Just like we just did a few minutes ago when we commanded, you know, her body to be healed, right? And sickness to leave. Like that's exercising our authority. And thankfully, we live in a country where we have a voice and a vote that we can exercise, right? Into our country. There's countries that don't have that, right? There's, there's countries that don't have you know, a vote, there's dictatorships, there's communism, there's, there's all kinds of things where, where it, it's not like here. So we actually still do have a voice and a vote on a lot of things and some of the big issues. And I want to tell you, not just federal, but actually state elections are very, very, very important, if not more important. So as Christians, we cannot abdicate our authority. 
we'd be doing the same thing that Adam did, just giving it up. And we can't just give it up just because it's a difficult decision or a very controversial issue or you just don't like the options. We cannot vote on personality. We have to vote on the platform. You know, the nine out of ten times the Republican Party follows through with their platform. And 75% of the time the Democratic uh, Party follows through with their platform. So overall, most of what happens is what's on the platform. The big picture. So we need to take out, you know, the personalities and the candidates, and we need to look at the platforms. Educate ourselves and make a very educated vote. And not just educated, but a biblical vote. And that's what I want to encourage you today, is that we would make a biblical decision. You know, Mark 3, 24 and 25 says, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. Is anybody else freezing? Can we just like... Look it up just a little bit, please. I'm like, I don't know if it's the spirit of God or switching over to hyperthermia or somebody must have played with us there. Okay, so a kingdom divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, it cannot stand. So we're addressing two things. We're addressing ourself, our house, we can no longer separate these things and be like, well, I'm a believer, I go to church, but, you know, when it comes to politics, uh, like that's, no, God has to be part of that too. Otherwise you create a conflict inside of you, right? And then we're also talking about a kingdom divided or a country divided against itself cannot stand. Because here's the, one of the bigger issues, and I want you to know, I spent a lot of time in actually months praying about this day and I spent time with uh, different men of God just talking about this and, and deciding you know I want you to know I come I come I come to you today with this message and from a very humble place because um, it, it, it is not an easy thing to talk about right and so I we, we talked about we said should we talk about it or not talk about it I mean there seems to be so much unrest so much division so many people fighting each other on social media and another and so many other platforms I mean family members I mean it's been all 2020 if it's like Nick said last week if it's not mask and no mask and social distancing and no social distancing and the corona is fake or isn't fake or this or that like like there's so many things that people are fighting and being divided against it's like you have a pizza that was all together and all of a sudden you start making slices and there's more slices and there's more division and more division and more division and more division right and we cannot allow that because that is the enemy's agenda the enemy's agenda is division because why? A house or a kingdom divided, divided against itself cannot stand. And then what happens? It collapses. That's what the devil wants. That the United States of America will no longer be the United States of America. And right now it's pretty divided. But you see, it's the enemy that comes in and, and just sows division. And start splitting up families, start splitting up churches, start splitting up, right? Like, it's not even like one or the other. There's so many divisions. 
I told you guys at the beginning of this um, pandemic thing, actually it was around May 3rd when we came back to church, I said, there's gonna be so many opportunities to be offended. You're not even gonna know what to do with them. But we told you what to do with them. Love overcomes all things, right? Love covers a multitude of sins or offenses, right? So our walk in love and our pursuit for unity is one of the most important things that we are called to do and to reconcile because after the election, guess what? You still have family, you still have church, you still see, are gonna see people. And you need to think about that. What's, what's gonna happen with those relationships? Raise your hand if you've had a quarrel with somebody about any of these issues. Now stop lying. Raise your hand for real. <laughs> right? And that's in, that's in the church. Imagine those that don't have the Spirit of God inside of them. Those that don't have Jesus. Like destruction and disunity doesn't even make sense anymore. I won't even go into some, some of the, the things that happen. I'm sure you hear about them all day. And, and we're definitely not on talking about bad news this morning. That's not it, right? Um, registering to vote and voting is one of the ways that we exercise our authority that God has given us. It's not just, uh, okay, I'm going to exercise my authority. It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility. And let me tell you, you're still on time to, to vote to register to vote. You're still on time. And you're still on time to research and do whatever you need to do. Um, it's important because we need to ask ourselves, here's, here's the question, not what or which party is gonna be the best for me. See, very few people build for generations. Most people build for themselves and maybe their kids. Most people don't build and think for generations, and we need to think for generations. We need to think for our kids, 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 and their kids who we might not even ever get to meet. Like, this is real. Anything outside of that is selfish. Like, if I, if I, I cannot vote on just what's best for me, I have to vote thinking, what kind of country do I want my kids and my grandkids to live in? See, like, that's the heart of God. That's what love does. Love doesn't seek its own, right? But what's the best for, for them? What's the best for the next generation? But we're in, in such a self-centered society sometimes that all that is promoted is anything that will be better for me, that will be the best for me now, today, tomorrow, or in the next four years. And we don't think how those things are affected or could be affecting right? Our kids and their kids and what's happening. See, and, and if you want to get a good idea of what happens through generations, just read through the Bible. Read through the Old Testament and you'll see what happens, right? You study the book of Kings and you realize, wow, like when they had a wicked king, the, king, the country went down. When they had a good king, the, the, the kingdom prospered, right? When they did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord, this is what happened. When, so yes, now we have our own decision. We have our own relationship with God. But speaking in the big picture, it also matters and it affects our kids. 
And we need to think for those generations, and we need to think for the ones that are coming ahead. Um, here's another very important thing. Ephesians 6.12 says our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? But it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle that is against the forces of evil. And let me tell you, that is not a person. That's, that's the devil. It's his agenda. Forces of evil are a spiritual thing. Now that people are used by that, right, yeah. The, the devil makes no, he, he doesn't discriminate anybody. He'll use anybody who will just line up with his agenda. Just like God will use anybody who believes his word and he believes his agenda. Right? God d doesn't discriminate. Like if, it, how many times have I seen a miracle through the hands of a child? Why? Because they just believed. But, but they didn't go to Bible school. They didn't have all the qualifications. They didn't know how to design. Because all we need to do is line up with God's agenda and God's word, right? Believe him and then he, he will use us. But the enemy does the same thing. You line up with his agenda. Hey, you know how many times you line up with his agenda when you start gossiping about somebody else? Yes, that's right. The devil uses you. <gasps> Pastor, how can you say that? I love God. Yeah, well, stop gossiping. Stop slandering. Stop being dishonoring. Told you it was going to be fun. We, we choose that. I mean, one of Jesus' disciples, Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan. Why? Because he was not lined up with the, Peter at that moment was not lined up with the Father's plan. He was lined up with the enemy's plan, right? And he spoke it. The devil will use anybody that lines up with him. Ephesians 4.3 says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Say with me, united in the spirit. See that? Every effort, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. We were talking about this and my friend pointed out, it's like, it's so important that we're united in spirit even when we're not united in word. What does that mean? even when we have disagreements, even when we have difference of opinions, even when we have different perspectives, it's important that we still pursue and make every effort to remain united in what? In spirit, right? That is so powerful, so important. Because that means that you could vote for whoever you want, right? It could be different. You can have a different perspective and a different view, but at the end of the day, we need to strive for unity in the spirit above all things, right? How many times do we inside the same church have different views or different interpretations of the Bible, right? Where some say, well, miracles aren't for today anymore or oh, speaking in tongues is not for today anymore or, you know, God's not doing that or, you know, God doesn't want you to be rich and others are saying like, oh, God does want you to be rich and it's like, oh, God, like, and there's so many different perspectives, right? And what we could allow that to create more divisions, or we could say, you know what? We think different, but we both love and believe that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. And guess what? That is stronger than anything. That uni it keeps us united. Right? The Bible says that we should be known by our love, 
by our unity, right? Not, what it says, it doesn't say that we should be known because we all agree 100% on everything. You know how ridiculous that idea is? But that's the idea that religion brings, and religion disqualifies anybody who thinks differently than they do. They go, oh, you're in the wrong church. Let me see, that's going to be Baptist, no, Southern, no, uh, Southern Baptist uh, of the Nazarene, right? Like, I think that one fits you the most. Who knows? You might have to keep looking. That's wrong. Jesus never demanded that we all agreed and believed the same thing. He had people and disciples in his circle of different personalities, different backgrounds, different values, different things. And he wasn't even trying to change them. He was just leading them with the example and showing them, just love one another. Just love one another. Stay united in the spirit, right? Go do my work. Loyalty, true loyalty isn't, isn't even shown until we have a disagreement. Are we loyal to one another, right? Or we just are when we agree. You know, in leadership, true loyalty is, is not shown until there's a disagreement. Disagree with you, but I'm 100% behind you. Now that's, that's true loyalty, right? The other one is just like, well, you know, as long as you do and say and preach what I like, I'm with you. You mess up, sayonara. Seriously? I don't think that's family. That's why church is supposed to be a picture of family, not an institution. In an institution, you break the laws, you know, you break the agreements, blah, 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 you're out. But in a family, you're not. I mean, how many of you in your family have an odd one? Right? Now, how many of you are the odd ones in your family? You still family? You still family. Now, how much more family when we're united by the blood of Jesus, of the Son of God, right? Now we're all under the new covenant of the Spirit. <clears throat> Unity apart from God is humanism. Like the Tower of Babel. They were in unity, right? They were united, but they wanted God out. They wanted God nothing to do with him. That's humanism. Let me tell you, if there's unity being promoted apart from God is it's not God's idea of unity. It's humanism. Unity with God, that's the original design. We were created to be united with God, right? That's the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came in, right? And it says that now we all have the spirit of inside of us that cries, Abba, Father, right? It's our identifier that we are all from the same family, from the same father, the heavenly father and that's what unites us it's god that unites us god in all of us that unites us but apart from god it's humanism it's an abomination now i want 
just bring up a couple things and I'm going to wrap it up. Our number one goal is unity. Unity. We must learn to honor those that we disagree with. And that's tougher now more than ever. Right? Can you think of one person that you disagree with greatly? Right? I hope none of you are thinking you. Right? Now, can you imagine honoring that person? Remember, we honor not because they deserve honor. We honor because we are honorable people. Because it's one of our core values. And can we honor those who we disagree with? I mean, come on. I know your mind is racing with people, politicians, uh, all kinds of public figures and Hmm, right? Doesn't mean you agree with them. You don't have to agree with them. You don't have to support their views or their lifestyles. You don't have to do any of that. But can you honor them in your heart and keep your heart free from offense? Because that's the trap. First comes disunity, offense. Sometimes it's intellectual offense because it's not even directed to you. You just saw it and you were offended. You heard it and you were offended. And when that happens, then offense is in your heart. And an offense will, will always lead to bitterness and pain. Are you, you understand that this is dangerous for us. Honoring those we disagree with is not just something, oh, because I'm a Christian, you know. No, it's actually good for you. It's bad for you if you don't. And I just know that there's so many offenses that have arised during this time over the whole country and world climate of everything that's going on. There's so many offenses that are continuing to arise and new ones every day. So what do we do? Are we hanging on to those offenses or are we gonna forgive them, right? Let, let me tell you, it's like Scotchgard. You want, you want to have like Scotchgard for offense. You want it to be like, it, it's, it doesn't even become an offense anymore. It's like, oh, just let it go, right? Because that's the higher one. Like, we're called to forgive, right? But, but even a higher place of that is to not take offense. Don't even take it. Don't even take the offense. It's just let it just, right? Love overcomes all things. And love forgives, oversees, like doesn't even let the offense stick to you. But they're my enemies. Yeah, that's what the Bible says about them. Okay. There's a couple issues that I, I want to bring up that are uh, really important. They're close to my heart. And I want you to know that by no means am I saying that other issues aren't important, okay? This is one that I find has God's attention um, because I see it in history happening over and over again. And I'm talking about Bible history, okay? And, um, and that's the issue of life, okay? The issue of life, personally to me, is a big one, okay? And, and, and I don't want to discount anybody who says this issue is bigger to me. 
No, that's totally fine. That, that's okay. I just want to share it with you, which one is my biggest, and that's the issue of life. Why? Because I can see the devil's agenda from the very beginning always coming after our children, always coming after kids. Why? Because it's the most innocent, vulnerable, and, you know, the ones that cannot defend themselves. Right? And we see that uh, in two places. First, uh, with Moses, right, when he was born in Egypt, Pharaoh sent all children of two years and under to be killed. Right? Like, I don't even know. I don't even think I can compute what, what that is like. Okay? And then we see it again in Jesus' time, right? All children under two murdered. Like, I, I don't even want to go there, like, to really feel what, the, what it would have been there. But I can see a pattern, and I can see a pattern that the enemy is after children. Jesus came, and when Jesus came, he said, let the children come to me, Right? And I just love that because Jesus was not like an adult, serious, oh, yeah, somebody get those kids in order. Like, no, he was like, let them come to me. Like, he knew there was something special and powerful about children, right? Something vulnerable about them, something that could be impacted in their lives, right? So the enemy's always coming after our children. The younger he can get them, the more destructive the effects are, okay? Which is why the issue of life is a big one, and you need to look into that. To me, that one is, is very important. A, a lot of issues are very important. Let me, let me say, there's a lot of issues, okay? There's a lot of big issues. Social issues. We can't solve all of them. And you need to look at each one of those issues from a biblical perspective, from a biblical point, right? What does God say about this? So I'm just using this one as an example, okay? Because the Bible says in Deuteronomy 30:19 says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, right? said, so choose, therefore, life. Choose life. Okay, it's, it's it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it real quick. Deuteronomy chapter, I hope you're getting something out of this morning. It's, uh, um, I, um, you know, I, I've been a resident of the United States for, I was a resident of the United States for what? 12, 13, 13 years, something like that, yeah, and I just, I had the privilege of becoming a citizen last year, and, um, and so it's my first, uh, my first election that I get to vote, but I've always been very passionate about this, um, you know, my sister-in-law, Tiffany, she served, uh, um, Lou Engel and the IHOP for years, just, um, you know, advocating for, Life, you know, life, life. And, uh, and so it's, it's always been a big issue, uh, you know, for us and something that we've always prayed for. But I don't want you to, th I'm just using this in a, as an example of how you need to go to the word and say, what does God say about that? How does God see this stuff, you know, so that I can actually make a, a better decision and not just go with what I think is the biggest issue or not. You know, there's a lot of issues. This is just an example. Again, you know, Deuteronomy 30, 19, it says, it says, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. James said it earlier, children are our future, right? And if our, 
I mean, number one, you know, they're being, they're being attacked in the womb, right? And, um, and then when they're born, they're being attacked by the education and the stuff that is being put in, in that. And they're being attacked by human trafficking and they're being attacked by so many things. It's like they're the most vulnerable ones, right? And so I have five children and, and I can see that, right? I'm like, if that if anything happened to my kids, like that's, that's a really big deal, right? And our kids are, are the future generations that are gonna run the countries, that are gonna run, you know, the world and what are we doing for them? So, so when I vote, I wanna look at the platforms again. I don't wanna look at the personalities. I don't wanna look at, I wanna look at the platforms and I wanna know what is the bulk of things that they're speaking about in the, in, in issues that the Bible talks about, right? And one of them, one of them is life, okay? And, and for you, it might be a different one, right? Because depending on our experience on life, we've experienced different things and some issues might be more important to us than others. But at the end of the day, we need to bring it all back to the word and say, all right, Holy Spirit, what do you say about this stuff? And only you get to decide who are you going to put in office? Who are you going to vote for? But it is our responsibility. There's, like I said, between five and 10 million evangelicals that are not even registered to vote. That is not okay. We need to, we need to ask God, hey, this is a real difficult decision. What do you say about this? And then we need to take our authority because if not, we're doing the same thing Adam did when he gave up his authority. And, and you're not helping if you're not voting. I don't know, it's a little bit hard to say that, okay? But I want you to know, it's very important. We're really close to overturning Roe versus Wade. If you don't know what that is, you need to go look it up, see? But it is not okay for our taxes to be funding abortions and for abortions to be allowed to even happen after the baby has been born. That is an abomination. I don't care what you call it. That is, that's just like one. It makes me cringe when I hear that. That is even an idea coming out of somebody's mouth. Okay. And you need to look at these issues and you need to look at these platforms and you need to go home and you can decide whatever it is. But remember this, no matter what happens, at the end of the day, Jesus is our hero. Our hope is in him. It's not on a party. It's not on a president. The church will thrive and will shine regardless of who is in office. See, this is truth, okay? We need to know this. And we will still be family after the election is over. We will still advance the kingdom of God and worship Jesus and tell others about him because those are the good news and that is the gospel is that he is our hope, right? So we're not gonna be like depending. Our life is not depending on that. There's a lot of things that we can do, right? And, and these are the things that I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to register to vote, to read the platforms, to ask the Holy Spirit which one, which platform is more aligned with the Bible, to then vote biblically based, not on personality and not on an offense or an intellectual offense that you might have received from either party. I'm also ask you what, 1 Timothy 2, 1 says to pray for the authorities, whoever they are. 
And if you, for some reason, cannot vote, let me tell you also what you speak and what you post on social media is influencing people. Honor those who disagree with you and know that Jesus is our hope. He is our hero. Amen? Are you okay with this? Are you coming back next week? We printed the platforms for you, okay? Uh, if you can put up that website up here. So uh, as you walk out, we have the platforms in the back, and um, you can look at them. We got them from biblicalvoter.com. So you can go there. You can watch videos. You can watch more information. Uh, I like this one because this one, I, I spent all week reading both platforms. So many pages. And... Um, and, and these uh, summaries of some of the issues, okay, that are, that are here that are biblical issues, you know, we could say, um, even show you what page of each platform it is. So you can, like, you're like, oh, no way or whatever, you know. You could go and read, read the whole thing. This is just a summary, and we have it for you. So please, on your way out, if you want to, if you need to, or if you, you want for somebody else, take one of these um, and read them and pray for them. Uh, and, and just remember that, you know, register Vote biblically, pray for the authorities, watch what you speak and what you post and honor those you disagree with. Amen.